0: Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Anniston, Alabama. Our church is open and affirming and is also dedicated to being an anti-racism, pro-reconciling congregation because we believe that God has called the body of Christ to bring all of God's children created in the image of God together in worship and service. You are a blessing to us for being here. And we hope and pray that your worship experience with us is a blessing to your soul and an inspiration for your life. I would like to say welcome to my worship team. Gerald Roberts is our director of music and is leading us on the keyboard today. Annie Ingram is playing the horn and percussion, and Jason Wright is leading us in singing. They really are a pleasure to work with, for sure, but their musical gifts are even more of a blessing, and so I am grateful for all of you. I'm excited to announce that next Sunday, September 27th, we will be starting, God willing, Drive-In Church at First Christian in Anniston. The podcast will also continue, only it will be posted on Sunday nights instead of Saturday nights. But if you're in the area, feel free to join us at 5 p.m. in the parking lot. In addition to that, our ministry to the spiritually and physically needy in our midst goes on. So your offerings, tithes, and donations are precious to us. By the grace of God, we carry on, and your gifts are a sign of God's grace. So if you feel so moved, please consider giving to God through us. You can either go to our webpage, www.fccanniston.org, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click the Donate Now button. PayPal is the only functioning donation option for the time being. Otherwise, you can donate by sending a check to First Christian Church, to 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. Now, it's time for us to turn our minds to our loving God. Tune out the world around you and give yourself over to the praise and adoration of Jesus the Christ, God with us, the manifestation of God's perfect grace. And so I invite you to gather your elements for communion bread or crackers, juice or wine, and to light a candle. Let us welcome in the light of Christ as we we come to the Lord with hearts filled with love. You may pause this recording while you go and get what you need. All of our hymns can be found in your Friday Reminders email. If you don't currently get that email, contact us on our website and ask us to add you to our list. And now, let us sing our first two hymns. Come, now is the time to worship, and how great thou art.
1: Time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. Come. One day every tongue will confess you are God one day every knee will bow still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now To surrender our lives Willingly our knees will bow Still the greatest treasure remains For those who gladly choose you now
0: When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Please pray with me. Most gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. My strength and my redeemer. Amen. Okay. In seminary, when I was taught to preach, I was told to never, ever bring up any other scripture passage besides the one that I was currently preaching on. Um, they said that it was a distraction from the core message and to stick with the message at hand. And I'm going to break that rule. So at the risk of deviating from today's scripture lesson, I am going to go back. I'm going to backtrack just a little and look at what was going on just before our parable was told. Matthew tells us a story commonly known as the rich young ruler. In this story, a man comes to Jesus and asks him what he is supposed to do to have eternal life. Jesus tells him to keep the commandments. The young man says, done, now what? Jesus tells the man to give up all his possessions and follow him. The man went away grieving, and Jesus tells his disciples that it is hard for a rich person to get into heaven. So good old Peter says to Jesus, look, We have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And this is the point when Jesus chooses to tell the disciples a parable that ended with the phrase, the last will be first and the first will be last. You see, the only ones hearing this parable were the disciples. The young man had left. There were no Pharisees or crowds of people. There were only the 12 disciples chosen by Jesus to follow him. The disciples were the ones who were promised that in heaven they would sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They had just been told that the rich guy would not have eternal life if he didn't do just what the disciples had done, give up everything and follow Jesus. But then in this parable, Jesus told them that the rich guy could pretty much wait until he was old to give up everything and follow Jesus and he would still get to be in the kingdom of heaven. The rich guy could live in the life of luxury with all his stuff and his big house. He probably had a beautiful wife and maybe even some concubines. I bet he had many servants, luxurious clothes to wear, and a big overstuffed bed to sleep in. And plenty of food to eat, for sure. And there were the disciples. Dirty, smelly, wifeless, possessionless, and homeless following this guy all over the place listening to him say one confusing thing after another and that rich kid over there might be able to end up in the same heaven as them what is jesus saying okay so let's visit revisit the parable we have a story about a landowner with a vineyard we have some workers and we have a manager the landowner goes out 5 times to choose his workers early in the morning at 9 a.m., noon, 3 o'clock, and 5 p.m. And all the workers are promised to be paid what is right, whatever that is. The first workers were chosen in the morning. It was probably still cool, and the air was a little damp with dew. But as these first laborers worked in the field, it grew hotter and hotter every hour. There they were, bent over, straining, lifting, and sweating— They probably greeted the other laborers as they trickled in throughout the day. It's possible that they even had to show these other people the ropes. This is how this is done, and this is how that is done. Maybe those first guys even showed the new workers the best way to do the job without hurting their backs. All day long they worked, knowing that in the end they would be compensated. Now, let's jump from the fields of the vineyard to 2,000 years later, shall we? Where are we? We are sitting here in worship, reading a parable about a landowner, a vineyard and a bunch of angry workers. And who are we? Well, I think we are the disciples. This parable is for us. We are the workers chosen to work for God at this time in our lives. We are here in this place, reading scripture, singing hymns, praying to God, taking communion, all in the hopes that we will know God better, that we will know Jesus as our Savior, and that we will grow as believers, because we feel called to work in God's vineyard. We are called to work among the deep purple grapes and rows and rows of tall green plants. We take on the heat of the day and the heaviest of burdens, and why? because God chose us? What were we doing before we ended up here? Some of us went to college. Some of us have been raising families, working in careers. Some of us have been going to church our whole lives. And some of us have been ignoring God's question, why are you standing here idle all day? Well, I am 46 years old. Ironically, all week long, I've been saying that I was 47 and my sister kept correcting me. I am actually only 46. (laughs) I personally am looking ahead at 23 some odd years of working in God's little vineyard, commonly known as the church. 23 years, at least. I've already been working in the church for 22 years. So I will have put in 40 to 45 years of working for the church in my lifetime. And that isn't including all the years as a teenager and college student. That's a long, long time. 45 years of trying to be good, of trying to be a role model. 45 years of praying. 45 years of studying the Bible, writing sermons, going to church every single Sunday morning. Okay, so that's mm, 365 days a year, approximately 30 days in a month seven days in a week, and 52 weeks in a year. That means 52 Sundays in a year, 2,607 Sundays in 45 years, and 5,150 worship services in 45 years. And that's not counting the home and hospital visitations, the funerals, the weddings, the baptisms, homecomings, Holy Weeks, Ash Wednesdays, and Christmas Eve services. Then there are the fundraising, fundraisers, council meetings, team meetings, church retreats, staff retreats, fellowship dinners, regional and general assemblies, women's lunches, men's fellowship meetings, youth group meetings, and winter retreats, and all of those regional church meetings. Oh, my gosh. My back hurts, right? My head is aching, and I'm having some chest pains just thinking about it all. Why am I doing this? Why are any of us doing what we're doing? Because we want to? Because God called us? Or is it because we believe in an afterlife and are looking forward to the kingdom of heaven, where we know God will look favorably on us for all the good work we did here on earth? Okay, so 45 years of work is not that much if it means that I get to go to heaven, right? I mean, I don't mind being called early in the morning to work in God's vineyard, but what about all of the people that I went to seminary with who are much older than I am and will not be working in the church as long as I will? What about those people that you know who started going to church later in life? You know, the ones, the people who got to go to wild parties, who did all kinds of immoral things that the Bible tells us are bad, who had a boatload of fun without worrying about their conscience or what God thought of them. What about those people who are living extravagant lives of sexual promiscuity and excessive, dr- excessive drinking or partying and spending um, uh, all the money that they want who are called to the church later in life? Or the people who spent their lives being terrible to other people, who walked all over people to gain whatever they wanted to gain to to be promoted and to, to did terrible things in business and in their personal lives. Is this parable telling us that all of us get to go to heaven, get the same reward no matter when God calls us to work? Well, I don't know about how I feel about that because I'm standing here 46 years old, tired, a little boring, and poor by America's standards. And how do you feel about all of this? Does it seem a little unfair? Well, of course it does. And that's because it is unfair. We're talking about grace people. And the defining characteristic of grace is that it is totally unfair. So what does it mean to be fair? To be fair is to be just and equitable. Fair implies a proper balance of conflicting interests, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Fair means that if I live a better life than that other person, then I'll get more privileges in heaven. Or it means that I get to go to heaven and they don't get to go at all. Fair means that God will favor those who put in the most time for God in this life. Fair means that we get what we earn. And if we don't earn it, we don't get it. But how does that scripture go again? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to break that rule. What is that? Oh, right. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 does not say, God so loved those who loved him. It doesn't say that whoever believes in him for their whole lives shall not perish, but have eternal life. It does not say God so loved those who deserved it. No, it says whoever believes in him. In fact, the Bible is full of examples of how God was not fair or just or anything like that, but instead seemed to favor the one over the many, the last over the first and the lowly over the righteous. It's not fair, y'all. It's grace. Justin Holcomb is an Episcopal priest and teacher at Reformed Theological Seminary and Knox Theological Seminary. Well, He says this. He says that a shorthand for what grace is, is mercy, not merit. Grace is the opposite of karma, which is all about getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. Christianity teaches that what we deserve is death with no hope of resurrection. So if you want fair, believe in karma. But grace is love, forgiveness, and blessing that is given freely to people who do not deserve it. We all live in a merit based, judgment based society. We are taught that people get what they deserve, whether it's good things or bad things. And we are taught that people should get what they deserve. I worked hard on this project in school and I did a really good job. I should get an A. And that kid over there didn't do anything, so they should get an F. I worked hard, so I deserve a raise. They don't come to work more than two times a week. They should be fired. I live a good life. I follow the rules. I obey the law. I work hard. I'm trustworthy. I deserve to make good money, to live in a nice house, and so on. That person breaks the law. They deserve to live in jail. This is the world we live in. Personally, I'm not totally opposed to it. I mean, we, we live in a society, and when we live in a society, there have to be rules created by that society to determine how the people want to live together. If you live in that society, then you agree to follow the rules of that society. However, heaven is not the world, thank God. And the kingdom of God is ruled by a power made up of love and grace. And that power chooses to love us unconditionally. God chooses to forgive us of our sins, even when we do not deserve to be forgiven. And God has the right to do so because he created us in the first place. Who are we to stand up and say, wait, I deserve to get more from you than that guy. So that brings us back to why we're here in the first place. If we are told that we can accept Christ as our Savior on our deathbeds and get the same reward as the one who's been in the church for 95 years, then maybe we're not working in God's vineyard for the reward at all. Maybe we're here simply because we love God so much, we just can't stay away. And maybe we're doing the work of the church because we love our neighbor so much that we want them to have this reward too. We love God, so we want to spend as much time with God and other people who love God, so we're here. We love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, so we do the work of the church to help spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone who wants to hear it. In God's vineyard, we take care of other people. We worship the Lord, our God. We learn and study more about who God is, thus falling more and more in love with him the more we learn. And then we take what we learn and tell other people so that they'll have an opportunity to know who God is and to fall in love with God as well. And as we work in this vineyard called the church, we are steeped in the reward of God's grace every moment of every day. We revel in the fact that we are loved completely and unconditionally by the one who created us, and we get all of that time to look forward to the day that we are in heaven with God once and for all. So no, grace is not fair, thank God, and grace isn't earned in any way, shape, or form. It's given to us no matter how much time we put working in the fields. And so the work has nothing to do with the reward and everything to do with being in God's presence for as long as possible. And rather than worrying about how long we've been working for God's kingdom, we should be grateful that God called us at all. And we should celebrate the fact that others were given a chance as well. It is important for all of us to remember that the work in the vineyard isn't a punishment. It's an opportunity. An opportunity that is precious enough for God to offer it over and over again from the dawn of the day till the setting of the evening sun. Amen. Amen. And now I think that the only appropriate song to sing as we reflect on this unfair grace is, of course, Amazing Grace. Let us sing together.
1: Amazing Grace
0: talking about the unfairness of grace we have to realize that no matter what we do in this life we can never actually earn a place in heaven with God the reward is too great and the standards of perfection are too steep for anyone to actually achieve it on their own this is the beauty of grace we have been offered complete forgiveness of our sins by God simply because God loves us And that grace was achieved by God's own sacrifice, because no sacrifice we can make would have gotten us that far. So God came to us in the form of Christ Jesus, and God gave himself over to his enemies, whom he loved, by the way. And he allowed those enemies to unfairly condemn him, to unjustly nail him to a cross, and to inhumanely watch him as he suffered and died. And then God destroyed the power of death with his resurrection. Everyone is called to accept God's grace. Everyone is offered grace. And everyone who accepts it receives it in its fullest form, no matter when they accept it. At this table, we remember what God did for us. We stand here in God's presence and relive the sacrifice And we renew our commitment to the one who loves so deeply, so desperately, that he's willing to die to save us. The table is set. Come and eat. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you. Thank you, God, for your love. We come to your table today knowing that we are sinners unable to work our way into your presence. And so we thank you for sacrificing yourself to do for us what we could not do. We thank you for your amazing grace, your unyielding love, and your willingness to go to the ends of creation to bring us into your kingdom once and for all. Amen. Come and eat. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. And now let us recognize that the work of God's vineyard is sharing the gospel with those who do not know it. So this communion hymn is especially appropriate. Let us sing together, Come, share the Lord.
1: Gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our heart like living flame. For through the loving Son, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the love.
0: Join me in the Litany of Remembrance. You can find it in the information about the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Amen. When you go out into the world, think of it as God's vineyard, the place where we are called to work. May each thing you do for God's glory and may every word you say share the love of Christ with those you meet. You have been called to do the work of God. Do it gladly and with much joy. Go in peace. And as we go, let us sing our hymn of sending forth. Our God is an awesome God. Mm
1: God is an awesome God he reigns from heaven above with wisdom. Power and love our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom. Power and love our God is an awesome He's an awesome God, He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power and love, our God is an awesome God.